Hey, it's Joyce. Every week, I have the chance to chat with an interesting, inspiring human and to share that conversation with you. Join me as I walk and talk with entrepreneurs, adventurers, and all sorts of people who are working hard to empower women and make the world a better place. Now listen, this is not some highly polished, formally produced podcast. It's just two humans out for a walk with the chance to learn from each other. So lace up your sneakers, head out the door, and join us. Hey, everyone. Joyce here welcoming you to today's Walk and Talk, where our guest is Janae Luciana Senna. Sena or Senna? Janae? Senna. Luciani Senna. Senna. I know it's a mouthful. <laughs> you did pretty she good, though. Is, oh, well, thank you. She is an internationally renowned best-selling author of four books, a nationally known lifestyle expert and reporter on national TV, including shows like The Today Show and Dr. Oz. She is an accredited journalist who publishes in Shape and Romper and HelloGiggles.com and all the places. Janae has been touted as one of Woman, Woman's World Magazine, also a mouthful, ultimate experts. She's a TED speaker and she's a busy mom of four. And she recently launched her own bra collection on QVC because big part of her history and her resume, so to speak, is the best-selling book, The Bra Book, uh, which is a definitely part of what I want to talk about today. So welcome, Janae, and thank you for being here. Thanks, Joyce. I'm happy to be here. So I have to, I have to start at the very beginning, and I want to talk about the book because I honestly... I, it sounds crazy to say it, but I think every woman in the world, certainly in this country, like has to immediately read the bra book if they haven't. But mm-hmm. I want to start with what in the world started your fascination with bras and prompted the creation and the writing of this book? Oh, wow. Well, um, it goes back about, uh, let's see, 20, no, how many years are we going back? Um, <laughs> 15 years. Uh, probably at this point, um, I, at that time, this was like pre-Facebook, pre-social media. And I was working as a journalist, like you mentioned. Um, I was a fashion and beauty editor for a magazine. And I got assigned this article on bras and foundation garments. And Oprah had just done her big, famous bra mm-hmm. intervention show at that time. Yep. So it was like kind of a buzzy topic. But like I said, there was no social media yet. So women didn't really have a place to like commiserate, I guess, about the topic and give each other advice. And I believe it or not, like you can probably remember this, but, um, you know, internet chat rooms and stuff like that, you could do a search mm-hmm. on those, which I guess would be the equivalent of today's like Reddit or whatever. Um, and you could do a search on those and women were like desperately seeking information on how to find the right bra. So through doing this research for this like monster article, which ended up being like 3000 words. um, (laughs) And I ended up, you know, realizing that there's no resource for women with this topic. So there wasn't like any kind of like handbook or guidebook that would tell you how to find the right bra. And just me personally being a woman um, at the time, I um, wasn't quite a mom, but I had been married a few years and was preparing to be a mom. And I was 
saying to myself, like, why don't we, why don't we have like a resource? Like, why isn't there, like, there's a book on everything. You could find a book on how to like bait a fishing pole, you know, <laughs> like there's a book on everything. And I'm like, wow, they're so important to women. And there's no guidebook on that. So I said to my editor at the time, um, you know, someone should write a book on bras. And she was an author already a well known author who had been on Oprah and everything. And she goes, you should do it. People would love to hear this coming from you. You're such like a friendly, warm person. And like, this would be great, you know, for you to do. And I had a personal attachment to it. Besides, like I said, just, you know, being a woman, um, I developed as a teenager with a breast deformity that I later learned was called tubular breast deformity. So for me, like, I feel like bras were even more of a struggle than they were for other people because I had this weird, I called them my mutant boobs. So I had this like weird thing I went through and then ended up having a reconstruction um, when I was 21 and, and got my first job and could pay for it. And you know, I, um, I went through just a lot of struggles really related to that. So I thought if I can help other women with this, you know, and use my prowess as a journalist to kind of uncover everything there is to know, then why not? And so I did. And a few years it took for the proposal process and everything to get going and getting an agent and selling the book. Um, and then it, now there's two separate editions of it, a first edition and a second edition, which has some updated and newer info. So um, that's by default, I sort of became the bra expert, um, just really uh, started going on TV, talking about it, and really working with women at workshops and different events. So it's been um, really great, actually. It is so interesting to reflect on the idea that there was not this kind of book and guide out there uh, when it is something that's so important to women, number one. And mm -hmm. I, I've seen a statistic somewhere, but the gist of which I don't remember it exactly, but the gist of it is that most of us are walking around in ill-fitting bras, mm -hmm. um, which is not good for our comfort or necessarily for our bodies particularly. Um, mm -hmm. And yet, and then, and then there's the piece of like, I think every woman you speak to remembers the experience of buying her first bra. And everything that mm -hmm. sort of went along with that, right? I'm sure you've had those yeah. conversations with countless women. Yeah, I mean, there's so many milestones, I feel like, related to this for a woman. It's like, whether it's your first bra experience and whether or not your mother was, like, helpful, whether or not you had a mother to help you, you know, whether you had a female figure to help you through it or... Um, you know, then your body changing when you go through a pregnancy or a lot of women would share with me that they had, you know, breast cancer and they had to have a mastectomy or, you know, um, augmentation or reconstruction or anything like that. There's been so many different, I guess, stories that have been shared with me and they're all kind of like related to not just a woman's body, but how she feels on the inside too. So it's like, I don't think people quite grasp how much this can, this topic basically can affect you mentally and emotionally. I, absolutely. And I want to, I want to circle back to that for sure, because that's kind of where this whole conversation uh, goes. But before we do that, one thing that I loved in the book that I, gosh, I just find so fascinating is the history of bras. Mm -hmm. The herstory. Uh, the, right. I'm the, uh, sorry. The herstory. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
And can you just share a little bit, because obviously we could do that for half an hour, but just a little bit to kind of put in perspective, because it goes on the list of things that we take for granted, rites of passage we take for granted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then you say, I could, I could just go off on this whole topic with you, but like, and then there's the whole burning the bra part of our history right? Which mm-hmm. is kind of a feminist yeah. statement. Like, you know, mm-hmm. men think we should wear these things. They're super uncomfortable. So screw that. But mm-hmm. putting it in a little bit of historical context, can you share a little bit of that? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I guess like we do take it for granted. It's been around for a century or whatever, but um, we've come so far, I would say in the uh, advancements in technology and design and fabrics. And so a lot of women, like even very busty women, are now able to wear wire-free bras. Um, they can find something that's comfortable. There is so much out there available to us. Um, but it, it definitely is interesting to look back at how far it's come. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of debate on whether the bra burning thing really was a thing or whether it was like a propaganda type thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was happening around that time. But it definitely is symbolic. And I feel like recently that kind of happened again, where women during the pandemic, they were like, we're just not wearing a bra anymore. Like we're home, <laughs> we're not going anywhere, we're not wearing a bra. And it's like, I always say, I'm like, it's really great if you feel like you can do that. I personally can't do that. Like I personally am not comfortable that way. Um, I just could never walk around without wearing a bra. So like more power to you if you can't. But I think most of us um, need to be in a properly supported bra. And there's been tons of studies over the years too. Um, The University of Portsmouth in England is like the kind of the one that owns that, so to speak, and they've done all the studies for years and years. And there is biological proof that if you don't support your breasts, um, you will have issues. Like, you know, obviously there's a lot that goes into whether you will have sagging, like genetics, and whether you've had pregnancies and that sort of thing. So it's not like a be-all, end-all if you don't wear the right bra, but not supporting yourself, like even just walking on a treadmill, for example, they tested women walking on a treadmill and even as small as an A cup bounced up and down um, the length of a paper clip. So if you think about our breasts being made up of ligaments and tissue and things that stretch, um, you know, you can do the math on what will happen. So um, I think like history has shown us that this is something that is really important to most women, not all, but most. And the transition from corset to bra and how that was tied to the war. Can you talk a little bit about that? Just because it's such a random fact that's so interesting. I know. (laughs) Well, yeah, there was a steel shortage um, at that time. So I think that was part of it um, where they couldn't really do the boning for the corsets. Um, So women kind of just couldn't wear them anymore. And they had to wear something that didn't entail that. Um, The other thing was a lot of women, you know, rolled up their sleeves. Um, the proverbial Rosie the Riveters, because she wasn't a real person, as we know, but, um, you know, a lot of women rolled up their sleeves and went to work. And so they weren't working in the mill, you know, taking over in the mills for men that went off to war with a corset on. They needed something more comfortable and practical. So um, that was a great time period in a sense that practicality became important for women more so than aesthetics, in my opinion. 
have you ever had the opportunity to wear like an old to try on like an old fashioned corset? Um, no, actually, that I've I've had many corsets in my life um, that I've worn for different events and stuff like that, um, and a little nice little collection of them. But I don't think I've ever had a vintage one per se. Um, but I would say a modern day corset is pretty similar to what they wore back then. Um, maybe just like plastic boning as opposed to, you know, the steel, the metal. Um, just like with underwire, people still think that, I mean, some underwires, I think they still maybe use the metal, but most companies now aren't, um, or they'll use metal coated in plastic. So, um, but no, I don't think I've ever had the opportunity to really test out a vintage one. I think that would be cool though. <laughs> I think that, w I think that would be cool. You know, you see them in pictures and they look, um, so much more uncomfortable than what I consider like a, a modern day fashion corset, you know, which just seems like a different thing as far as, I don't know. They look like, looks like being in body jail to me. <laughs> the old fashioned <laughs> ones. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that it felt that way too, but I guess like, like with anything else in life, you can get used to anything. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think like these women got used to it and it was like all about having that attainable, unattainable figure of that teeny tiny waist. And I think we're still like seeing that we're seeing kind of a resurgence of that, but now like women are doing surgery and all kinds of other stuff to get it as opposed to like faking it with a corset. So in that sense, I kind of wish we would go back to the course of days if that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> if that, rather if that's than the option, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, rather than putting your life at risk to have a tiny waist, like, I just, I don't know. I personally can't wrap my brain around that, but <laughs> anywho, well, you know. Right. So, uh, you know, that's a really good segue from the sort of practical conversation that we've been having about bras and their, their herstory, herstory, hard to say, but um, <laughs> his story, it's her story. Um, her story, right. <laughs> but bringing it kind of to the deeper level of this idea of bras as an instrument of attaining a particular, a particular uh, look, right, that satisfies some kind of social ideal. Bras have like right. been part of that conversation since the beginning. Well, yeah. And did you see the the new Skims um, nipple bra that's everywhere? I mean, obviously, you know, Kim, the Kardashians are brilliant at marketing. So that's basically what that is. But it's just funny to think like, is that going to like bring back this like oh, now we're not hiding our nipples. Now we want to show our nipples, like poking through. Um, but to answer your question, I guess, like, yes, they've definitely played a part in the aesthetics over the years, like in the 80s when women wanted really round, like Pamela Anderson type, you know, look to their breasts. Um, bras were really padded and um, padded out to the side, you know, more graduated padding in the sides of breasts to push them kind of in and up and make them appear really round. Um, we had the cone bra, which was kind of like Madonna joke type thing. But in the 50s, that was that actually what they wore. They wanted a pointier breast. Um, so and now I think it's about like just having something that supports you and fits you really well as opposed to any special aesthetic. But who knows? Maybe this like nipple pokes right through <laughs> thing will be a thing. But it's also interesting that it's like 
that aesthetic depends on where you live too. So like if you go to Europe, for example, bras are all lace, they're unlined and you have seams and you have, you know, nipples showing through and you have whatever, and that's totally acceptable. But for some reason here in America, we're all about a smooth look and spanks, and it has to be a t-shirt bra with a foam, you know, smooth microfiber cup that doesn't show anything that shows that you have a real body, you know. Um, so I think like the free the nipple movement and everything came out of that. But that's really truly like an American thing because in Europe, like they their nipples are free. They don't they don't care about that, you know. <laughs> the nipple's free already over there. So it's like interesting because it doesn't it's not just necessarily like a time period thing. It's also like a location type um thing, you know, a um like what's the word that I'm looking for? Um not ethnicity, but heritage, you know, where, where you yeah. are and where you come from also affects like how your desirable kind of figure with your breasts. And it's, is it, is that a good thing or a bad thing, right? That this, that bras, and I kind of think it's a bad thing, right? Like it's good that we're moving towards a place of bras that are more functional Mm-hmm. But this idea of using bras as an instrument of creating the, I'm using air quotes, right? The ideal silhouette. Mm-hmm. But I guess, I guess women have been doing that in every sense forever. I guess it's no different than a fashion statement. You want your clothing right. to fit in the most whatever look it is you're trying to accomplish. Flattering way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess bras are part of that on the one hand. On the other hand, gosh, we're all walking around in things that are really uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, and that's where it's like always really about that balance. And that's really where I try to help women um, like find that balance because like, of course you want comfort. That's the most important thing. You need to be able to wear it all day at work or whatever you're doing, you need good sports support. Like if you're taking a walk or going for a run or going to the gym. So there's all these different needs that we have that we need from our bra. But then obviously you want it to look good too, because you want that makes you feel good. That makes you feel confident when you feel like you look good. Um, So it's kind of like finding that balance, uh, finding that right bra, so to speak, where you feel like you have both and not have to sacrifice one for the other. Can we talk for a minute about the elephant in the room? (laughs) Okay. That's in this room uh, (laughs) of the 99 Walks community, because that is the sports bra. (laughs) Yeah. I interviewed interviewed Lisa Lindahl for my podcast, um, and she's the one who invented the first sports bra, um, she was the, actually the woman who designed it. There is a, there were two other partners. One was the financial part of it. Um, but Lisa was the one who actually came up with the idea, sewed together the two jock straps <laughs> and mm-hmm. made it happen. So it's, and that was only in the seventies. So it's like hard to imagine that what were women doing before that? Like, what the heck were they, were they not exercising? Like, I find that hard to believe. So it's kind of crazy to think about. Um, and then only recently I consulted with the Army on a new sports bra for female soldiers. And if you saw what they were freaking giving these women, 
they were like, they look like cotton Hanes granny. I, and actually funny, Hanes made the bra for them. They private labeled through Hanes, but they looked like literally like Hanes took a pair of their like cotton panties that we like, you know, we call them granny mm-hmm. panties. No offense to anyone that may wear them, but um, they are comfortable. But anyway, it looked, literally looked like they took a pair of these panties and like put straps on it and turned it upside down and made it. And that was the bra that women were wearing in the military. So the army had contacted me actually during the pandemic and asked me to come out to their uniform design facility and help their design team. And they did, they came up with some really cool high tech um, sports bras to offer these women in their uniform kits, which I was super excited to be able to help. That's like one of my best favorite projects to date. But um, you know, it's like, I think about all these instances where it's like there wasn't a sports bra until Lisa created one and, and which wasn't that long ago. I'm 46. So I was a kid then, you know, but, or a baby rather when that, when she actually, the year I was born, I think was the year that it, it came, that she came up with it. But it's like, that wasn't that long ago. And the army still till just a, a few months ago or a year ago, not having something decent for soldiers and, Still, the Air Force and all the other branches haven't gotten on board with that yet. So it's like, you know, it's hard to fathom that we haven't really come that far with finding women a good solution with support. And um, one of my recent problem-solving segments on Access Daily, um, which is Access Hollywood's show that airs during the day, I do a regular segment called Problem Solving, and we talked about sports bras. And we talked about how um, there's a, a, a author that I love, Jennifer Weiner. Um, she wrote In Her Shoes, which became a movie. Mm-hmm. And she did a TikTok video about how she put layers three sports bras to go ride her bike. Um, she rides like these super long distances. And I was like, in this day and age, why are we still doing this? Like, why are we not having good sports bras. And um, I do think there are some good options on the market for sure. And there's some innovations, but it's like, what we're not, we haven't quite come far enough with that, in my opinion. I, I agree. And every now and then, so uh, the 99 Walks and Jetty Fitness team, we meet every morning on a huddle. So on a Zoom mm-hmm. call, every morning at 930, we have our morning meeting. And I would say at least four times a year, somehow the conversation deteriorates into a conversation about sports bras and yeah. the, the, yep. the search for the one, here's the holy grail, right? It's the sports bra that gives you adequate support, but mm-hmm. that you can also get on and off. <laughs> that and also looks nice because like, let's be yeah. honest, most of them give you a uniboob and like who wants to look like they have one boob across their chest, you know? <laughs> So I think totally. like looks play a part in it too. Like you want it to be flattering. You can also get it on and off and it's comfortable. It's wicking. It's holding you in, you know, all those, all the things. Uh, yeah. You know, and I, uh, I, and I'm no, I'm no, I'm not alone in this. I spend most of my waking life in athletic clothes, including a sports. I wear a sports bra more yep. often than anything else. Yeah. And a lot of women do for sure. Yeah. Um, we should collaborate so, and make one. We should collaborate and make one. <laughs> oh, we totally should. <laughs> that would be. You don't have one. Way. You don't have one in your line, so you have a, a no, relatively so, new QVC line, right? 
Well, so that um, was in 2021, right after coming right out of the pandemic, I did a line of crystal healing bralettes um, for women up to size 3X, um, small up to 3X. And they were lace bralettes with an authentic crystal embedded in the center to kind of give you that great feeling in mind, body, and soul. And I sold through the entire run of them, and then QVC didn't do a reorder. So I currently do not have – and I always planned on sort of uh, some type of yoga walking type bra to go along with that, Um, but it just hasn't transpired. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Let's do it. (laughs) I mean, you know, if we ever actually go down the rabbit hole, you and I of of talking through this, the first thing Mm -hmm. I'm going to do is send you a picture of like Uh 20 different sports bras that are in my dresser. And they're pretty much all, you know, all a disaster because it's Well, another issue is that they stretch out, you know, all these things like, of course, they have to be a stretchy material. Of course, they have to be some version of microfiber because they have to wick you know, wick, you know, keep the moisture in and away from your body. But those materials have to be really well cared for. They can't just be thrown in your dryer. Um, like the, they're man-made materials and they are very fragile. And I think like a lot of women don't realize that. So they're like, if you're we- if you're washing them every day or after every wearing, good for you because that will help preserve them too. But then it's like you have to wash them in cool water with a gentle detergent and, you know, not put them in the dryer. <laughs> So it's like, I think we we're going through them super fast. Like, oh, why don't they last? Well, that's why. It's such a more nuanced and complicated conversation and topic, right? I mean, you, mm-hmm. you literally, in the course of 30 minutes, we have gone from the history to a little bit of the mechanics and, uh, and then kind of what it does for women on the inside and how bras mm-hmm. reflect all of these milestones. I mean, we've covered so, we've hit, we, we haven't covered it all, but like we've hit on so many aspects of this one article of clothing that people take for granted and don't think so, so much true. about. It's really crazy. It's crazy. And it's what I love is that you asked me questions that most of my interviews don't ask about. <laughs> So, like, I tend to get asked the same questions over and over again. Like, it does get redundant. I know that women need the information, but it's like now I feel like the information is out there. All the magazines are constantly doing articles on bras, which is great. I get interviewed for, like, six or seven a month at this point, plus I write (laughs) um, some of them myself. So it's like the information is there if you look for it, and you can have it at your fingertips, which is different a different case when the bra book came out, although I do still think the bra book is valuable because it's like a great gift item for a woman that, you know, you are like, hey, you're always complaining about bras to me. Like, here's this great book. Keep it on your coffee table. You know, it's a, it's a conversation piece. But um, but at this point in time, like, you do have everything at your fingertips. So um, it was also nice chatting with you about, like, things that often women don't hear about, I feel like. So um, I think that's great as well to offer that information. Well, thank you for that. And uh, yeah. I'm just going to say the the bra book, I, I don't, it doesn't sort of do it justice to call it a just a book because it's charming and it's illustrated and thank it's you. written in this beautiful voice. And uh, people would not immediately think that the that a bra book would make a great gift, but like it totally does. And um, 
I am actually sending one to my mother because when I told uh. her earlier today that I was interviewing you, the first thing she said was, oh, the first thing I do when I walk in the door anytime is take off my bra. I hate right. them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. So like, yes, a good gift I always say is give them the book and then give them a gift card with it so they can go bra buy some new bras, right? Because that's yeah. what they're going to want to do after they read it they're going to be motivated like even more, you know, whether they order it online or whatever, it's fine, but you know, it'll, it'll give them that like total package, the education element of it, and then the ability to shop. So it's like perfect, perfect gift in my opinion. I love it. If people want to <laughs> learn more about you and the work you do and all the things, where are the best places in the interwebs to find you? Sure. So I'm at JanaeLuciani.com. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram at Janae, J-E-N-E on TV. Um, and I'm at TikTok, uh, begrudgingly, but yeah, I'm there, <laughs> um, <laughs> at solving underscore all underscore your, which is you are underscore problems. So, <laughs> so at solving all your problems, um, on TikTok and, um, Facebook. I don't know. I has I have a page that's under the bra expert. Um, so yeah, you can you can find me pretty much anywhere. Um, and I do like you if you go on my website janeluciani.com, you can write questions into me or anything. I get tons of questions all the time, and I I love getting questions. So um, ask away. Perfect. And we will link all of those in the show notes as well. So for those of you who are awesome. walking, listening, uh, you can go back and, and check and find all those. Things. Thank you, Janae, so much for being here with us. Appreciate your Thank time you so and much. your wisdom. Thank you so much. It was great talking with you. Bye-bye. Okay. <laughs>